Welcome back to another episode of A Bite of D&D. This is Micah, and as always, Zach is waiting patiently on the other side of the internet from us just to say hello to all of you. Hello. And we are joined once again by our friend, Catherine. Hi. And we are going to talk about some creatures from the far realm. Zach, what creatures are we discussing this evening? Well, we are going to talk about two creatures. This is your first two-for-one special. We're going to talk about Grell, and we're also going to talk yet again about the flumps. <laughs> Everybody's favorite parasite. Yes. So if you are looking for these creatures, you can find the Grell on page 172 and the flumps on page 135 of your monster manual. And these are certainly one of the more interesting creatures, the grail. Bizarre. Yeah. Uh, they, they are just your, you know, your typical floating brain with a, a large bird beak sticking out of it, because why not? Um, got ten giant tentacles that will wrap you up and carry you away to be a snack. These are relatively unique in that they are not, well... I, I suppose it depends on the edition you are coming from, but my favorite is probably from an article we found back in a Dragon magazine. What year was that, Zach? 1998? Yeah, they're 1998. They're just... I like... I think that if you just read through the Monster Manual and you're looking at, like, oh, tell me about these creatures, I don't get a lot of inspiration from that. At least, at least we're both of these are concerned but uh i was really excited to find more information about them and the more i read about each one of these the more i'm like oh these guys actually have something to offer like they're 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 cool so the grell come from i believe it is called the far realm mm -hmm. alongside mm -hmm. your other creepy friends with the the illithids the aboliths the other kind of beholders yeah the other kind of psychic aberration type creatures and they actually came on their own spell jammer ships with the flumps kind of acting as parasites to that or so they believe kind of following in the wake or alongside the grill in many ways they're almost the good counterpart to the grill's evil um, there's a couple things that i like to note about the grill right out the gate just because i don't think if you're looking at their image that you would recognize this these are if you look at their stats they're about the same stat wise as like an adventurer so they aren't dumb they aren't weak they aren't any of those things. They are statted similar, but they are completely alien. And so the idea of them having their own spelljammer ships I think is fascinating. I think it's a great way to, if we're adding flavor and we're talking about how to put these in your campaign, I think that the idea of them having spelljammer ships is, is fascinating and it allows spelljammer ships to be bizarre and alien right from the gate. And I think that can be a great introduction into that kind of gonzo atmosphere that Spelljammer can have. And I also think that they're a great intro, like you said, to the deep realm, the far realms. They're CR3, which is not super high. In past editions, they could go much, much higher. They're medium-sized here. In past editions, they've mentioned that they can get all the way up to gargantuan size. So you have just a huge range of, of flexibility and ability within these creatures. I like... I mean, there's so many things about them that I think are fascinating. They can create portals maybe not in their stat block but but in their flavor they can create portals they fly by anti-gravity fields there's just a lot of that weird stuff that i think a lot of times 
uh, at least I and I know Micah likes to inject into their campaigns this like, oh, you know, the technology, but with a weird twist. Well, and I kind of want to dive into that flavor aspect of them because in the monster manual, they don't necessarily have these other abilities. But as we were talking about what we saw in the Dragon Magazine and stuff, I really like the idea of with that kind of anti-gravity field around them that when your players go to rush up and attack these things, suddenly that barbarian's footing kind of... Feels a little different. Mm -hmm. He feels a little bit different and maybe he begins to like float and spin out of control out of his charge as he realizes that things are not... (laughs) <laughs> working the way he he would have imagined they would be and just kind of throws a fun little wrench into people's plans that won't necessarily impact it too bad i i would not stop a barbarian from them being able to attack this thing but maybe just give them a little bit less control over their movement give them another little obstacle that they have to deal with while fighting this thing because on its stat block alone it's not necessarily that interesting and that's one way you can inject a little bit more nuance into a fight give it a little bit more of a quirk to make that a little bit more memorable than just a beaked brain yeah the only thing i would note with these as far as their stat block goes is i love that their tentacles feel overwhelming especially for lower level parties i mean if you get if you get if you fail your con save you're poisoned you're paralyzed and you're grappled like that's a lot to dump on one character and i think that I, I, well, they're called floating ambushers, right? Alien devourers. Like, to me, that feels like that. Like, if, if you got ambushed by this thing, you failed your save, and I'm like, okay, so you're this, this, and this. That player is in a panic at this point, and I think that that's, good, that's a good way of heightening drama. You know, if you just say, oh, you're paralyzed. Well, I know how to deal with that, but I don't maybe know how to deal with all three of these things at once. So that's cool for me. Well, and we've talked about how you may be picked up by a giant rock or like another more typical creature before. And that sucks, but you're like, all right, I've seen this before. If you are grabbed in the dark in a cave, you're down in the underdark by this thing and you start floating away in a giant brain, maybe mechanically it's similar, but that's a whole nother mind game going on right Mm -hmm. there. And you're, and you're paralyzed. Like personally, I, I mean, this might come from being new, but, like, paralyzation is, like, the scariest thing that could possibly happen to an individual character in something like this, in my opinion. Like, not in a huge encounter or anything, but, like, just because you can't you can't yell for help, you can't, you know, cast a spell with your three free fingers or whatever. Like, I think, I think it also provides... A really good way you were saying like heightening the drama i think it provides a really good way to have some party bonding mm. because you know when one character's in danger everybody probably hopefully will <laughs> want to go save them and so it creates you know new dynamics for them to role play off of later which i think is yeah. a good way to do it that's yep. a very good point that's a great Great point. There's always bonding through, and even if they die, you know, maybe there's bonding through tragedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's hope it doesn't get to that. Sure. But one way or the other, your party will come together in a new way uh, after an experience like this. And and speaking of coming together, should we talk about the parasites that are the flumps at this I, point? Yes, I do because I feel like they would be a great foil to a grell focused section 
uh, of your campaign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I would note because it may be if you if you tuned into this podcast, if you if you pulled it up in your feed and you're like, why are we talking about Corel and Flumps in the same podcast? Well, one because we didn't really feel like there was enough content for them separately. <laughs> but also that same Dragon Magazine article talked about, I think it was that one, talked about how flumps have some physiological similarities to Grell and to some of the other aberrations from the Far Realms. And because of that, it's theorized that flumps originally came over to the material plane via Grell spelljammer ships like they were parasitically latching on. Flumps feed off of psionic energy they don't they're not carnivorous they don't consume like illithids or grell or beholders and things like that but they do stay in areas around those types of creatures and consume that the energies that they emit so i think that that's like a fun idea that where you find illithids where you find beholders where you find abolis where you find grill you're also probably going to find a pocket of flumps and like micah said that's a that's a fun foil but I also think there's some interesting things like they're not just silly little CR18 lawful good jellyfish fairies. No, these uh, are actually smarter than the floating brain. The grell are, are literally a, a floating brain in a beak with a 13 intelligence. The flumps are at a 14 intelligence. And the book describes them as beings of great intelligence and wisdom, possessing advanced knowledge of religion, philosophy, mathematics, and countless other subjects. Mm-hmm. So you have this the most goofy looking thing probably in the book. So and it is <laughs> wiser than you could possibly comprehend. It also makes sense on how they could get here on through spelljammership. You could even maybe they were the slaves that built those ships for the grill in some aspect. Um, I, just a little bit further down in the psionic siphons paragraph, the thing that really struck me the most about flumps in general is the fact, the, the push and pull sort of factor, that flavor, I guess, that's added in about they are lawful good creatures, like they despise a lot of the evil that they are around, but they have to, have to feed off of these terribly evil creatures most of the time. So I think it's, I don't know, I think it's a really cool dilemma, I guess, for, you know, even if even if the adventurers don't know about it when they first meet Ooh. them. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 keep going. I'm, 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 I'm happy with what you're saying. Go ahead. <laughs> even if the adventurers don't know about it when they first meet them, it actually could lead to some adventurer slash creature role play and development and relationship building and collaboration and stuff like that that i again i'm super new but i haven't seen that in a lot of the rest of this book Mm -hmm. so i think it's a really cool different aspect to bring in and to have something so deep in the underdark and have it be one of the few few genuinely good things yes to run into in the yeah yeah well and what i was just thinking about when you were talking about that is that so you may be tasked with, or you may stumble across an illithid layer or some, any of these things, right? And they have pockets of flumps. If you kill that illithid, you have, in a sense, killed those flumps because mm-hmm. the flumps are feeding off of the psionic energies of the thing, and, and they can't get that from a whole lot of places. Well, and the book so, even says that they would almost sacrifice themselves for you to rid the area of mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a lot of parties 
that would still ha- feel like that was a moral dilemma or an ethical mm-hmm. dilemma yeah. to, okay, is this illithid harming anything? What's it doing out here? Is killing this illithid worth also inadvertently killing these this community of flumps over in this way? I like that part well, of it. I and think. I think that's where you bring in the relationship building between these creatures and the players that Catherine was talking about. I mean, I think it would be fun to have maybe a community built up above ground where they've kind of adopted in these flumps because there's enough people and enough mental energy there that they can feed off of Mm -hmm. and they don't ever take an excess. They don't want to harm anybody. And maybe these flumps then become professors at schools (laughs) or academies and help these lower life form humans and half orcs and elves or whatever else learn and develop with these advanced advanced pieces of knowledge that they are all comprehending right like that could be a whole arc of or it could turn into a whole arc of like how all the different all the all the different people adjust to having these creatures around and well especially if it's in a community that like you went to help with like an illithid problem or something Mm -hmm. anyway so they're used to this type of creature feeding off of them, coming in the night, stealing their mm. their citizens, and then you come back out with a similar type of creature yeah. that still feeds off of those psychic energies and just that tension between those two groups having to come together. And there's some definitely some great role play mm-hmm. and and kind of dramatic moments that could come from that. I really was the other thing that I would note with the flumps, I because I'm not a huge fan, but they serve a big purpose. And the reason that they're in this book, I think, is because they serve a very specific purpose that nothing else does. And that's that there's this whole underlayer of the material plane called the Underdark that is full of vile, evil creatures. Literally 99% of everything down there wants to kill you, wants to eat you, wants to enslave you the mushrooms want you dead (laughs) exactly and the flumps serve a great purpose in that they are the one percent that are there to help you and it makes sense now they might not be cool but it makes sense that they want to help you and that they're in the underdark because they have to feed off psionics and psionics live in the underdark so to me and then the fact that they are super smart is so that they're not super pointless right Mm -hmm. If they're the only thing that's good down there, if they're the only thing that's willing to help you, then if they're super dumb, then what are they even there for? But the fact that they're intelligent gives them something to contribute to your party as you're traveling through the Underdark. They can be those creatures down there who have a reason to offer you guidance, to offer you information, to lead you through the most secret ways. So I would say don't discount them because of their visual, because because I think that's exactly why they're here, is to be the thing that's different. What I'm hearing is that if the flumps did not have their intelligence, they'd be the Jar Jar Binks of the Underdark. That's 100% true. <laughs> and they would not be in the Monster Manual at that point either. I think they would be in the Monster Manual, Uh, but there'd be a lot less love for them in the Monster Manual. (laughs) Is there anything else that we want to talk about with regards... We didn't talk about the stat blocks of Flumps, but really that's because they're CR 1-8. They're not meant to be fought. If you you 
go in trying to fight a flump, you're going to kill a flump. Also, the, shame on you. Yeah, and <laughs> shame on you. I do. Th- I would say the one interesting thing about them is that despite the fact that you are most likely going to kill these things in one hit, their melee attack actually isn't that bad for how low of a CR they are. It's only 1d4 plus 2 um, piercing, but then it does an additional d4 acid, and if you feel your constitution save, you continue to take a d4 acid at the end of every round. So if you do happen to have a low-level party, and you've got a bunch of murder hobos, and they decide, you know what, we're using the experience system, we're just going to smash these happy little jellyfish to pieces, they can defend themselves relatively well considering what they are now most likely they're going to use their stench spray and fly away but but even then the stench spray isn't really there as a thing for you to lose against them in this combat but if you are sprayed with a foul smelling stench for 1d4 hours oh everything else in the underdark knows Uh where you're at now Uh and that's your punishment for messing with the one good creature there to help you (laughs) exactly so there is some fun stuff in there but really what are you doing fighting a flump you're shamed if you kill it and you're shamed if you don't Mm -hmm. um i think my one last thing that i want to make sure that everyone knows who may not know is that they change color based on their emotion and i love that so much (laughs) They're they're living mood rings, Uh uh, and they also can change color depending on the emotions of people around them. Yeah. So if you're having a bad day, maybe it sidles up to you and (laughs) you get some Disney forest animal love from it. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for our Ghrelin Flump episode. Appreciate Catherine, you uh, coming out and recording an episode with us. Micah, do you want to kind of sign us off and see you guys Uh, next week? As always, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. Feel free to talk to us. I do not talk to you all very well since I am kind of the one behind the scenes on those. But if you talk to us, there will be far better communication uh, than if we are shouting out into the void. So feel free to holler at us. We are always happy to holler back. If you are a creator, whether that be maps, you know, as I said last week, definitely not trying to mooch off anybody. But hey, if you do maps or you do anything on the DMs Guild, whether you've created an adventure, maybe a new race, class, anything like that, if you have something that you think you can offer the community, especially if you are a smaller creator, feel free to holler at us. We would love to talk to you, see what you've got going on, and bring you on to the podcast. And then the last thing I would mention is, and I failed to mention it last week, is that if you enjoyed these last couple episodes, if you thought that Catherine was a good guest, if you think that Mike and I are a modicum of interesting, (laughs) you can check out a singular actual play episode that Micah has posted up on our podcast. Uh, Micah DMs, I'm playing Catherine's playing, and you get to meet some of our other fine folk. Zach, that's been on the podcast, he plays in that. So if you, he features exactly. So we would be excited for you to get to check that out and tell us if you like that sort of thing or not. Yep. If you do, it is not edited. It is raw footage. I will be labeling those as raw with the title episode. We'll come up with a super cool acronym for that at some point i was going to be really lame and call it radical adventures weekly but we play (laughs) bi-weekly and sometimes we miss sessions so that won't happen and i'm not going to pretend like it'll happen i said that was our last thing but we've really got two other things that we really should mention 
first off, Winter Fantasy will be there. We may be there already. We are, we're probably there right now. <laughs> Depending on when this episode drops. But hey, if, if you're around, we'd love to see you. And then secondly, this is probably the last episode that you can be a part of and go check out our drawing. That's right. After Winter Fantasy, we are drawing our winner as far as our goodie basket that we have going. So if you leave a written review on iTunes, we need to see the usernames on there so that we can pick one. We've got several people uh, in the running for that currently, but if you leave a written review so that we can see that name, we will be picking one at random and we will send you a whole bunch of stuff. I think that finally wraps it up. If you're still listening, thank you. Goodbye. We'll see you next week. We won't see you at all but you'll hear us next week, maybe. Bye. Thanks, guys. See you later.